On behalf of Copeland Financial Ministries, I would like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically-Based Estate Planning Workshop Series. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant and the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries. Now, here's Tom teaching what the Bible says on estate planning. Okay, I'd like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically Based Estate Planning Workshop. So today I'd like to um, talk about um, stewardship and estate planning. First of all, the Bible has lots of wisdom on, on finances, incredible amount of wisdom, 2,350 references to money and material things. 16 of, of Christ's parable deal with money and material things. According to Randy Alcorn, Andy Stanley have done a lot of research on this, and I've seen it too. Christ talked more about money than any other topic uh, when he was here on earth because I think he knew we'd have a struggle in this area. So God's word has incredible wisdom for us on every aspect of finance, and it includes estate planning as well. If you talk to most Christians, they probably think the Bible has little or nothing to stay on estate planning, but it actually says quite a bit. So in order to plan your estate in accordance with God's principles and God's specific will, it's first necessary to understand that you're a steward or a manager of all the assets that God's entrusted to you. God is the owner. What do these verses say about the ownership of your assets? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And uh, in 1 Chronicles 29, David praised God with these words, Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you, from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. So what do those scriptures say about the ownership of your assets? Everything belongs to God. Yeah, exactly. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God, and uh, it's all his. What about the real estate? God said, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but my aliens and, and my tenants. And who owns the money? The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty, Haggai 2.8. At that time, silver and gold was used as money, so it's very clear God is saying that the money is his. You may say, but wait a second, I've worked hard utilizing my skills for many years in order to accumulate assets that I now own, and that may very well be true, but who gave you your skills and your abilities? Deuteronomy 8.17 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives us all our natural abilities. We're to use them in accordance with his principles and his will. And yes, you may have accumulated significant assets. I'm not saying you didn't work hard. Of course you worked hard. But just remember who gave you your abilities and the ability to earn income and, and uh, have the uh, assets that you do have. So you need to look to the Lord as to what uh, God wants you to do with the assets he's entrusted to you. Is there anything that God does not own? God said to Job, who has any claim against me that I must pay? Everything, everything God said under heaven belongs to me. Conclusion, we are stewards or managers of all the assets that God has entrusted to us. God is the owner. He owns it all. Your estate plan and your will are your last acts of stewardship. That's what I call it, your last act of stewardship. It's the, your will is the final document that's going to determine where all your assets go after you die. I believe your will is probably the most important legal document that most people will ever sign because it, govern, it governs everything after you leave this earth. Here's my definition of Christian stewardship. Acknowledging in mind and heart that God owns absolutely everything, that your retirement fund, your money, your home, even your life, and using all assets that God has entrusted to you in accordance with God's principles and God's specific will. Fulfilling our stewardship financial responsibilities requires the following. On a regular basis, spend quality time in prayer with the Lord, 
asking God for his wisdom and specific direction in managing the money that God has entrusted to you. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Secondly, study and meditate on God's word with respect to finances regularly in all areas, including estate planning and retirement planning. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And thirdly, trust God to meet your needs and direct you according to his will. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and God will direct your paths. As we fulfill our stewardship responsibilities, what are God's two key promises? In Matthew 6, Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Notice God promised as we put him first, he'll meet our needs, not necessarily our wants and desires. And similarly, as you start doing your estate plan, and you start planning on how you're going to allocate your assets, even maybe some before you die, um, also look at needs with respect to your kids, your grandkids, that kind of stuff. You need to look at that and just, just allocate the assets. Allocating according to needs is, is a very important factor to consider in your overall estate plan. What else did God promise us? Psalms 32 eight, God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. As you read through scripture, God can give the biblical guidelines with respect to managing money, including doing an estate plan, but you need to pray and discern from the Lord exactly what God wants you to do um, in implementing your estate plan, which in the final analysis does get put into your will, but often you can do estate planning before you leave this earth by allocating, giving some of your assets away, uh, helping out your kids or giving the Lord's work before you leave this earth. So estate planning is more than just your will, but the will is certainly a key part of it. So the conclusion, if we acknowledge that God owns everything, and if we faithfully use uh, money and material things in accordance with God's word and God's will, then we can completely trust God to meet our needs and direct our financial decisions, all financial decisions, both managing your monthly cash flow, paying down debt, but also in, uh, in doing your estate plan and also in retirement planning. Okay, we know our assets belong to God and that we're a steward of, of all of them. As stewards, we must consult the Lord for his wisdom and his direction. I like Psalms 25, 12 at the bottom then. There, who then is the man who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Estate planning principles. Here's a key one. God wants us to leave an inheritance, that's assets, not liabilities, but inheritance, assets, to our kids and, ch and our children's children. A good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. God wants a good person leaves an inheritance. The implication is, is assets, not liabilities. And I recommend to everybody that you work hard to pay off all your debts because God warns of the dangers of debt, Proverbs 22, 7. And God's best is for us to be debt-free. And for sure you want to be debt-free before you retire. Absolutely, for sure. Totally debt-free. No mortgage, no car loan, nothing. And it's ideal even to get there before even that happens. But uh, certainly you don't want to leave debts to your kids. It causes all kinds of problems for them. And often parents, the other point I'd like to make is that often parents believe that after they have died, they must allocate their assets equally amongst their children, regardless of how they manage money. This thinking is actually not consistent with Scripture. Let's look at the parable of the talents. If you recall in that parable, the master who is God entrusted five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to a third servant. The Scripture says that after a long time, after a long time, perhaps a lifetime, the master returned and he made the servants accountable. By the way, they were accountable for 100% of what they were entrusted with, not just 10 but 100 percent 
And, this, and, and the master made the servants accountable. The guy with five earned five more. The guy with two earned two more. They worked hard, put the money to work, used their talents and abilities God had given them. But the guy with one talent was lazy. He didn't, made no effort to invest his master's money. It's like God entrusting us with assets and we make no effort to make use of them, especially for the kingdom of God. And the master came back and said to the, the one with one talent that he was lazy, he was wicked, and he, and he basically took the talent from him and he gave it to the, the, one of the, the servants that was faithful with what God has entrusted to them. And so what this scripture is saying, one of the key principles here is that as you plan your estate, it's, it's, there's actually a biblical basis to allocate less money to your kids. Say you've got three kids and one squanders money. To alloc actually allocate less to the one who squanders money as opposed to those who have been good stewards with what, with what God has entrusted to them. That's consistent with scripture. So we need to uh, plan the, our state and consider the money management habits of your children. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Keep this in mind. If you want to know how your kids are going to manage and use your money after you die, look and see how they're managing their own money currently. And if they're not using it wisely, I can assure you they're not going to use um, the money, the hard-earned money that you've earned over your lifetime wisely either. If they're spending unnecessarily, and uh, they're going to do the same thing with yours. And over the last four decades, I've seen so many estates that took mom and dad 50, 60 years to build up and get squandered within five years, and it's so sad. But a lot of parents think, let's say they have three kids, that they have to allocate one-third to each of their kids after they die. That's not actually true. It's not consistent with Scripture. Um, you do need to look and take into consideration the money management habits, uh, good or bad, of, of your kids. Now, if you have a child who mismanages money, but they have legitimate needs that they cannot provide for, then consider using a trust or annuity to ensure that those needs are met and the money is not, not squandered. So sometimes equal allocation amongst your children is God's will. I'm not saying it, it can't be, but sometimes it is. And other times it's not. And besides the money management habits, I think mom and dad should consider any significant benefits that one child has received over another. I think I see this often in my accounting practice where both children are good money managers, but let's say the son gets the family business. It's very reasonable for mom and dad to allocate a larger amount to the daughter. Let's say they have two kids who did not get the family business. It's very reasonable to do that or to give her something during their lifetime if they can afford that. There's clearly no substitute for spending quality time in prayer with the Lord and his word seeking God's specific direction as to how you should allocate uh, his assets when you die. So, in respect of reducing the asset allocation to a child who squanders money, some Christians will often ask about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Didn't the father allow his son to squander his inheritance? I've heard people ask this question. And the truth is that the biblical principle here is God's willingness to forgive those who have strayed from the Lord and who have asked God for his forgiveness and are willing to repent. In light of the many scriptures, such as the parable of the talents that I mentioned earlier, that emphasize the stewardship of God's assets, the prodigal son parable is not suggesting that you allow your kids to squander money. It's not suggesting that at all. I'd like to make a comment. Um, there's a group called Advisors with Purpose. Um, they're a group of Christian financial advisors cr across this country. They did a survey a few years ago and it revealed that 85% of Bible-believing born-again Christians have not included God's work in their will at all, and that they should. Um, a lot of people just didn't even think about it because again, they don't know what God's word says with respect to estate planning. And uh, it's rare that uh, even when you go to see the lawyer that they'd actually suggest it. 
Because really, when you go to see the lawyer, you need to have your estate plan and your instructions ready. Give them um, a memo on what you want to be included in your will. It's not the lawyer's responsibility to decide on how your assets should be allocated. That's between you and the Lord. That's your stewardship responsibility. Anyhow, basic biblical stewardship requires that a Christian allocate a portion of their assets to God's work. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And remember again, your will is your last act of stewardship. It's the final document that determines where all your assets will go. And in essence, it's the last effective decision that you get to make while you're here on earth with respect to managing money. What do you think would be the typical differences between a non-Christian preparing a will, which I call a secular will, versus a committed Christian who understands biblically-based estate planning and who prepares a biblically-based will? What would you suggest are the differences? And uh, give me your input on that. I think the first thing is that you spend time in prayer to really decide uh, where God wants you to allocate your assets, recognizing that God is the owner of all that you have. And uh, certainly a traditional will, the lawyer will say the sp spouse automatically gets it and then the children equally. So this workshop is certainly telling us that we need to spend that time in prayer. Excellent. Thank you very much. Anybody, anyone else with a comment? So one of the things about um, a will, if a person is a non-Christian, is, is they're not necessarily thinking of what God's intentions are, are for that money. And so um, I think that, you know, they would not really worry about exactly, you know, whatever their desire is for it to go, that's where they want it to go, not realizing that they should still be tithing on their 10% or their portion of that because it's the last, their, their last act. They should be putting some of that towards giving to God's work as well. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, here's what I had. A typical secular world is, as Kathy mentioned, husband dies, everything goes to the wife. Wife dies, the assets are allocated equally amongst the three children, regardless of how the kids manage money and regardless of their needs. That's another key thing to take in, into account. What are their needs? And, uh, and little or nothing is allocated to the Lord's work. That's a typical secular world. Actually, usually there's nothing allocated to the Lord's work. Unfortunately, I'd say by far the majority of Christians have a typical secular will for various reasons. Part of it is just a lack of knowledge. They don't know what the Bible says and how it applies to estate planning. They don't even think about allocating a portion to the Lord's work. Um, or there can be cases where they sort of know there's some principles there, but they, they just haven't spent the time to learn what God says on, on, on finances and estate planning. A biblically-based will would be prepared by a committed Christian um, who has studied God's word on finances in general and estate planning in particular. And it would include the following. Certainly a generous allocation to the Lord's work. Um, that would be an important part of it. Prayerful consideration and discerning God's specific will regarding the allocations to their children and their grandchildren based upon their money management skills. So you've got to look at the money management skills of your kids your grandkids, and actually anyone that you include in your will. It doesn't have to be limited to your kids and your grandkids, by the way. It could be other people that you know that just have needs. And, and uh, you need to look at their needs as well. What, what, what do your kids need? What do your, what, what do your grandkids need? If you have a child, an adult child or even a grandchild that has a major disability and they will not be able to work uh, for most of their life, if maybe all of their life, clearly that needs to be a priority. 
in allocating um, the assets pursuant to your will. First Timothy 5.8 says, if a man does not provide for the needs of his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. So providing for needs uh, pursuant to your will is, is really important. Let's look at case study number one, son mismanages money. Bruce and Denise are married with one adult son named Judas. Judas has a long track record of mismanaging money, which has created tremendous marriage relationship problems between Judas and his wife. And as a result, they were separated for a season, but they recently got back together again. Bruce and Denise have significant assets, so they have and could afford to bail out Judas from his financial problems several times. Their motive was to help preserve their son's marriage. However, Judas continues to squander money and refuses any biblical financial instruction. Judas spends money on what he wants, not his needs for the family. Question number one. Bruce and Denise are planning their estate and about to get their wills updated. What biblically-based financial advice would you give to them? Provide a reference to Scripture. Number one, we, we've learned that we should always consult God first to determine, uh, ask Him for wisdom to help us to determine what's the best plan in accordance with His will for us. Yeah. Um, and, and despite our own personal feelings, God may have other plans. Excellent. So uh, another thing that we could do would be uh, to attend a estate planning workshop, such as the one <laughs> we're in right now. Good point. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Anything and, else? And I think to talk to their son and their daughter-in-law uh, that they are planning to, about their estate. And uh, as you said, maybe it would be an eye-opener for their son. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Any other comments? If they know um, what the status is of their, their grandchildren, so sometimes if they aren't necessarily considering to give to their son and their daughter-in-law, mm. but if they know that, say, one of the children is disabled or something like that, if they can see what's going on in that family so that that child will be well taken care of. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Those are good answers. Okay. Thank you very much. Here's what uh, I had. First, acknowledge that they're stewards of what God's entrusted to them and the assets that they have belong to God. Remember Haggai 2.8? God said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says, declares the Lord Almighty. Therefore, praying, this was mentioned, pray and ask God for his wisdom in a specific direction. Um, God has promised to direct us. And even though what you're going to find is there's guidelines, uh, like, like most areas of finances, you have biblical guidelines. Uh, but there can often be several options within the guidelines. Now, so often Christians make decisions outside the guidelines because they don't know what they are. But we need to know what the, uh, the guidelines are and then ask God for his specific direction as to what he wants you to do with, uh, and as Doug mentioned, with, with his money, um, with what God. I think of Luke twenty two forty two, where Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And study what, God's, the word, study what the word of God says with respect to estate planning so they understand the biblical guidelines. That's, that's an essential one. Attain biblically-based financial advice from a godly advisor. Um, they, this is not going to, they have to, they probably have to exercise some tough love with respect to uh, Judas, and, um, and they're going to, it's just good to get some, some biblical advice. 1 Corinthians 2.14 talks about the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. A non-believer is not going to understand a Christian's desire to follow biblical principles, to give a portion to the Lord's work. So you need to get a, a, a Christian to give you biblically-based financial advice who also understands God's word on finances because often um, most Christians don't even understand the biblical financial principles. 
And um, Bruce and Denise need to prayerfully consider how much the Lord would have them give to his work. First, while they are living, uh, if they have a surplus, and we'll talk about that in about uh, session four, how much is enough for retirement. And so first, while they are living, assuming they have more than enough, but also pursuant to their will uh, when they die. So they need to uh, discern what uh, the Lord wants them, uh, wants them to do. And Bruce and Denise, certainly this to me is a minimum. They need to warn Judas that if he does not learn to manage money properly, that is God's way, they're going to refuse to bail him out in the future um, because they've been bailing him out in the past, and we understand why, because he's trying to help him and help keep the marriage together. But they're going to have to at some point say no and make some tough, tough love decisions. And so Proverbs 13, 24 is important. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. So mom and dad need to discipline Judas. And Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. So Bruce and Denise need to exercise some tough love. So here's a question two. If Judas and his wife have kids, and, and the, the first question, we didn't mention any kids, but let's suppose they have kids. In other words, Bruce and Denise have some grandkids. Could this change the strategy for Bruce and Denise with respect to their current uh, financial help for Judas and updating their wills? Um, so what do you think and provide a reference to scripture if you can? Could, now, that, now you know that they have, Judas and his wife have kids, could this change the strategy for what they might do? One of the things they could do would be to create a trust of some fashion to put money in to take care of uh, Bruce and Denise's children after they've died. Mm -hmm. um, I think they should have a conversation that they're going to leave money in a trust with his wife. Yep simply because he's demonstrated over the course of his life and continues to demonstrate the same thing, that he cannot handle money. So we're going to take it out of your hands and put it in your wife and your children's hands afterwards. Excellent. Excellent. Good comment. Thank you. Thank you. That was, that's very good. Thank you very much. And here's what I had. Um, so does it make a difference if uh, Judas and his wife have kids? That's Bruce and Denise's grandkids. Uh, the answer is yes. Proverbs 13.22 says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children and their children's children. Um, if Judas was a good money manager, it would be appropriate to leave the assets to Judas and allow Judas to distribute to his kids in a biblical fashion. But that's not the case here. Um, however, given that Judas is irresponsible with money, Bruce and Denise would be best to allocate a portion of their assets to the grandkids. Assuming that Judas' wife does manage money God's way, Bruce and Denise could consider including her in their wills, along with the grandkids, and providing current and future financial assistance to the wife and not Judas. Now, that's a tough decision to make, but if they really care about their grandkids, um, I think it's a tough decision they, they probably have to make. Um, because the wife is a good money manager, Judas isn't. If you leave it to Judas, it's going to be squandered, and the wife and, and uh, the grandkids are going to suffer, and you, you want to you avoid that. The objective is to ensure the grandkids and the daughter-in-law, their needs are met, and entrusting the, the assets uh, to a good money manager, which is Judas's wife, that's consistent with scripture. So question three, there's sort of two parts for, to it. The first part is, should Bruce and Denise exclude Judas completely from their wills, or should they include Judas for a portion, and if so, how? So what, uh, what, what do you think about that? Should they exclude him completely? It's pretty hard, isn't it? It's a hard one. I think it would be very difficult, and you don't want to 
yeah. uh, alienate your son from God. Mm -hmm. So this is going to take some big talking. And I think if they can have a trust where it's going to his children, that would be at least he's seeing that it's coming to him to his children. Yep. But certainly there's some, uh, this is a very difficult situation. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. There's no simple answer here. Thank you. Thank you for that, that comment. Because um, as I say in my suggested solution, there's no simple answer. It'd be reasonable for Bruce and Denise. For sure they need to warn Judas that they may not include him in their wills or they may include him for less. As they go through the process on what to do, they need to ask God for his peace or lack of peace. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 27? He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Before you make the final decision, make sure God's given you his peace about it. Now, by the way, planning your estate can often take two, three, four, five, six months, but don't let it go on forever. Otherwise, you'll never put a plan in place and you'll never update your will. They need to develop a close relationship with the Lord so they can recognize God's voice and discern God's will. And we'll talk more about that in about session uh, six. Now, if they include Judas, how should they do it? And, and Kathy made reference to that, using a trust. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, the way a trust works out, you can, you can create it pursuant to your will. The money remains in the estate of um, Denise and Bruce after the second one dies. And then the trustee basically allocates the money out for the benefit of Judas and his family as it's needed. So you, obviously you need somebody who's a trustee that understands God's word on finances and is willing to probably take a bit of heat from Judas as well. Um, because Judas may want all the money and he may want to want to spend it. This reminds me of a case where um, a couple had one son and the couple died and he got a lot of money. It was way over a million dollars and he was a bad money manager before so what happened? He was a bad money manager later. He spent all of the money within five years. Uh, about three years later he died at age 46 of a stroke and he left his wife and his three kids absolutely destitute and yet he actually had enough money in around about age uh, in his late 30s that if he had have invested it properly, it, it could have acted like a, basically like a retirement fund. It could have looked after himself and his family for the rest of their lives, but he just, he just squandered it all. And uh, it was just, just so sad. Um, the parents didn't do any biblically-based estate planning. They didn't even think about it. Um, and that's the unfortunate part. Another thing that can happen is, on the, the later part there, is for the executor to purchase a life annuity, like even in the case I just gave, uh, what the parents could have done is, if they, they could have, they, they, surely they saw that the son did not manage money well, and the same here applies to Judas, just have the executor go buy a life annuity with an insurance company, or better, with a, a registered charity. Some charities can give them, and the advantage with the charity is they can give a donation receipt, and just have that paid to him so much per month for the rest of his life, and uh, that can prevent him from, um, from squandering all the money. Uh, he may still squander it as he gets it, but at least he doesn't blow through it in three to five years. So what's my summary of this session? Acknowledge in your heart and mind that God owns absolutely everything, that you are a steward of his resources, and plan your estate based upon God's financial principles. Be sure to discern God's specific will with respect to major decisions, particularly the allocation of the Lord's work, allocation to your kids, allocation to your grandkids, and whoever else you would have included in your will. And always ask God to direct you. Remember Psalms 32, 8, where God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. God has promised to direct us. 
Tom's Financial Moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. For more information, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.